peoples of the worldwide federated internet what's good So as I'm going through the book of Lamentations, here's something that is running through my mind a lot as I'm reading. There is nothing new under the sun. You'll find that in the book of Ecclesiastes. We always think that we are the first to have this happen or the first to have this wicked thing happen or wicked rulers. Nobody has had this in history. If you think that your country, whatever country you are in, is the only or the first country to ever have wicked rulers, to ever have rulers go after wickedness um, uh, constantly. Read through the Bible, read through the Old Testament, and you'll see this is not new. There's nothing new under the sun. Now, that doesn't mean that we should do this thinking that at some point it's just going to randomly get better. Yeah, we could be in a lot of turmoil if we stay in our current position. And this is worldwide, not just talking about the United States. There's many countries that have had issues and that have issues. And if we don't correct these things, then obviously we are on a path of destruction. But again, reading through the book of the Lamentations, I'm, I'm coming to grips with the fact that, yo, this has happened many times throughout history. History is to some degree cyclic. Now that doesn't mean things will always happen as they have happened. At some point, this thing is going to be wrapped up and we're going to get to the end. But it's, I guess, a sense or a source of encouragement knowing that it is a good possibility that things can get better. There can be a, a under underlying revival I've said, and I will say again, I think God is doing something now. Maybe it's just a preparation for the ultimate and eventual end. That's possible. It's also a possibility that we're moving towards some sort of revival and things are being shaken up. I think that's a huge possibility. There's some who disagree with me. Anyway, the book of the Lamentations chapter two, I believe we left off at verse 12, picking up at verse 13. Let's get into this. All right. Uh, verse 13, uh, as you know, the prophet Jeremiah is going in. He's talking about a lot of the things that he's seen throughout the city, things that have happened, uh, how the city has been destroyed, desolate. The people have now gone into captivity and he is lamenting uh, uh, in turmoil, uh, weeping over these things. And that's that's what this whole book is built on, based around. What thing shall I take to witness for thee? What thing shall I liken to thee, O daughter of Jerusalem? What can, so he's like, yo, what can I compare you to? What what comparison can I draw to kind of get you to see or get people to see what's going on? What shall I equal to thee? What's like this? What situation is like what we have going on right now? That I may comfort thee. What could I say to you and compare and give you some sort of comfort, O virgin daughter of Zion? 
for thy breach is great like the sea. Who can heal thee? That word breach means the act of breaking or state of being broken. A rupture or break, a gap, a space between the severed parts of a solid body parted by violence. And I think personally what he's talking about is that separation, that break between them and God. Now, they are the ones that initiated this, right? They violated God's commandments, did whatever it is they wanted to do. And because of that, they are paying the price for what they did. Thy prophets have seen vain and foolish things for thee, and they have not discovered thine iniquities to turn away thy captivity, but have seen for thee false burdens and causes of banishment. All that pass by clap their hands at thee. They hiss and wag their head at the daughter of Jerusalem saying, is this the city that men call the perfection of beauty, the joy of the whole earth? Now imagine now I, sometimes when I read this stuff, I, I kind of come back. I want, I was going to say, come back to reality, but this is reality. But I, I come back to here now and I think to myself, in what ways is situations today similar to this, right? So not, not trying to stretch this beyond, you know, what it's saying, not trying to falsely apply everything I read to everything I see. Now, sometimes there is a stretch that happens, but as I read this, I think to myself, man, in what ways is this, is this like today in many ways, because now look at what's happening. Now, these people that are, that are walking by shaking their heads saying, yo, is this the people that everybody was talking about? Now, mind you, Israel, for the most part, went after these people's gods, right? So Israel serving or supposed to serve the most high God of heaven and earth. They forsake God, forsake his commandments, and they go after these false gods. The people who worship these very false gods, they go after now walk by the city like, yo, who these people like? They ain't nothing. The very thing they clung to now mocks them. Yo, that's crazy. And, and it's irrelevant in the sense that typically when a person goes off to do whatever it is they want to do and their life is in turmoil and in destruction, I can vouch for this personally. This happened to me. The very thing you went after in many ways, that sin after you're destroyed, it will mock you. The very thing you thought was going to bring you pleasure now mocks at your destruction. Verse 16, all thine enemies have opened their mouth against thee. They hiss and gnash the teeth. They say we have swallowed her up. Certainly this is the day we looked for. We have found, we have seen it. Enemies wanted that weak spot with Israel. What was Israel's weak spot? Well, when they decided to vacate the safety of God, they had, look, while they were serving God, both the, the northern and the southern kingdom, they were in safety. They were good. They had nothing to worry about. The moment they decided, yo, yeah, yeah, we hear you prophets. We hear the commandments. Yeah, yeah, all that's good. We're going to go over here after these other gods. Now, no more safety. Now it's a wrap. There is no more protection. There is nowhere they can go. There's 
once think about it, once they vacated God's protection, where were they going to go after that? Who was going to protect them after they vacated the safety of God? No one. The Lord hath done that which he had devised. He hath fulfilled his word that he had commanded in the days of old. He hath thrown down and hath not pitied and hath caused thine enemy to rejoice over thee. He hath set up the horn of thine adversaries. Now, remember, in the book of Deuteronomy, God warned the children of Israel, yo, if you do what I say, it's all good. No harm, no foul. You're going to be in, in safety. If you violate my words, I will raise up the people around you to destroy you. You will be under them. He warned them. Their problem. They Now, I don't know exactly like I don't know the internals of of Israel, right? Like I know what I, what I read in the Bible and I can infer from that. My inference from what I read is that, yo, they really weren't too concerned with what was written in the Torah. They, they really weren't concerned with the books of Moses. They really weren't concerned with the prophets and what they had to say. They really could care less. They were more concerned with doing the same thing. The people around them were doing worshiping the same, the same gods, and it didn't help them any. So the, the moment they decided we're going to do whatever, we're not really worried about what the Bible says. This did not help them. The ironic thing is you see this cycle over and over and over again in uh, the, the, the Old Testament. And to, then there comes a point where it's like, okay, now this destruction is going to get heavy. And they were in a, a season of mercy and they exited that season of mercy and entered judgment. And that judgment was something to behold. Verse 18, their heart cried unto the Lord, O wall of the daughter of Zion, let tears run down like a river, like a river day and night. Give thyself no rest. Let not the apple of thine eye cease. But do you do you think now this is the question I think to myself, do you think they were really concerned with what was going on? And the reason I ask that if you read through first uh, and second Kings, first and second Chronicles, you read through the major prophets and you start seeing the judgment come down and what was happening uh, to, to the children of Israel. You don't really see a huge outcrying of all the people and a, and a huge repentance toward God now. God has shown his hand and shown his mercy all through the Old Testament, even shortly before the captivity of the children of Israel. When God sent Jonah to Nineveh, God showed in Nineveh his hand of mercy. They turned and God stayed his hand of judgment. And I really believe if the children of Israel just at any moment before all of this played out at any moment, if they would have collectively said, God, we repent. We, we realize we, we have woken up. We realize what we did. It was completely wrong. We have gone our own way. Please forgive us and have mercy. Now that doesn't mean there would be no consequence, but I, I don't believe they would be in the position that they are now. Had they done that, uh, verse 19 arise, 
Cry out in the night, in the beginning of the watches, pour out thine heart like water before the face of the Lord. Lift up thine hands toward him for the life of thy young children that faint for hunger in the top of every street. Now, here's just my thought. The fact that they even have to be told to do this. Imagine this. You sin, you violate. God's word, your believer, been saved however many years. And somebody after you, you fall into judgment, you know what's going down. God gave you plenty of opportunity. You pretty much scoffed at that opportunity. And now you're in judgment. Do you think somebody would have to come to you and say, hey, um, you should probably cry out to God and repent. Imagine that. Imagine that you have gone so far that it has not even entered your mind that, yo, maybe I need to repent before God. They have to be told to do this. It's kind of wild. Verse 20, behold, O Lord, and consider to whom thou hast done this. Shall the women eat their fruit and children of a, uh, of a span long? Shall the priest and the prophet be slain in the sanctuary of the Lord? The young and the old lie on the ground in the streets. My virgins and my young men are fallen by the sword. Thou hast slain them in the day and thine anger thou hast killed and not pitied. Thou hast called as a solemn day my terrors round about so that in the day of the Lord's anger, none escaped nor remained. Those that I have swaddled and brought up hath mine enemy consumed. Now notice what he said there. That's, that's a bar right there. Like that's a, that's a heavy statement. So that in the day of the Lord's anger, none escaped nor remained. I think we have a, what I call a mercy bias. We assume that we're going to live however we're going to live, do whatever it is we're going to do. And we're going to just have mercy all the time. There's going to be no judgment. And, and that's, like I said, I call the mercy bias where we believe nothing is ever going to happen. We're just going to be good at all times. And there comes a point, there comes a point. It's not that mercy runs out. There just comes a point where, all right, you've gone your own way. Judgment is now here. We've seen that play out time and time again in the Old Testament. There's many accounts we could go to and see that. And right here, you can you can see the heart of of God and you can see the heart of the author, Jeremiah. The thing I love about the way God inspired the construction of the Bible like that, you the more you get into the intricacies of the Bible and how it's constructed, the more you get into like, man, this is really a supernatural book. You have conveyed in a book, you have a, a overview, the viewpoint of what's going on. You have the viewpoint of mankind, what man does and how we see, and you have God's viewpoint. And God's and God's character and God showing you who he is through all of this. That's yo, it is crazy 
that all of that is contained within this book. It really is a supernatural book. This is not just like any other book, but you see the heart of, of Jeremiah. He's like, yo, we should cry out to God. Like, I don't even know what, what could I compare this to? What can I say to you to even comfort you? Who is going to escape in the day of God's anger? No one will escape. This will not be like other situations where somebody comes through and says, oh, okay, now nah, I'm going to let you through. Nah, once that anger is coming, that anger is there and there's no way around it. The best thing that they could have done, and this is a lesson to all of us, is the moment they realize, okay, yeah, we, we bugging out. We've gone our own way. We're paying for it. God, we come before you in complete repentance and we ask that you forgive us for what we have done. I do believe God would have had mercy. Like I said, that doesn't mean they would have escaped all consequences, but there would have definitely been mercy. Y'all know what it is. Stay frosty, people.